Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And once again, welcome to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We have got a great show for you. I'm going to have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, on for the Daily Dash. But on the show today, I have the head basketball coach of Columbus State men's basketball team, Robert Moore, and the head basketball coach of the Columbus State women's basketball team, Matt Hauser. You don't want to miss it as we preview the upcoming Peach Belt Conference season for the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. They will be on the show shortly, but there are a lot to talk about here on the show, including the Atlanta Hawks using their defense to come back and defeat the Detroit Pistons. We've got a softball tournament down at the Common Softball Complex in Columbus. Some local teams in action. And LaGrange gets a forfeit win over Fayette County as Fayette County could not field a team tonight at Callaway Stadium. So LaGrange will focus on Troop County. All right, let's go ahead and get right into the show. Some of the action in the NBA last night, the Atlanta Hawks defeated the Detroit Pistons 118-113 to as Trey Young scores 35 points. I thought the Detroit Pistons were going to pull away in this game as they led the charge. And the other Boganovich brother, Bojan Boganovich, he just kept shooting threes. And if the Hawks want to be an elite team, they have got to defend the three-pointer. He had 33 points. He shot six threes. But the Hawks were able to pull away thanks to John Collins' 19 points and 11 rebounds. I like John Collins as the third option. I want to see DeJounte Murray get more involved. I know he almost had a triple-double, but he shot 5 of 18. His shot will eventually come, and the bench will get more productive. I want to see more from the Holiday Brothers. I want to see Anyeka Kongru just become this dominating center. And you know maybe he might even be considered for sixth man of the year because Clint Capella is just going to continue to start. Hawks are up in Detroit once again this Friday night. They'll be on the road for the next five games. They're back at State Farm Arena on November the 5th against the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, we have an entire week to talk about the World Series. It's not until Friday. Game one, Aaron Nola has been named the starter for the Philadelphia Phillies. The Astros have not named a starter just yet. I think that Justin Verlander needs to take the mound for the Houston Astros that should be game one starter and not a whole lot of storylines with this Phillies Astros World Series you do have two fan bases the Philly fan base that has not won a World Series since 2008 back when Cole Hamels was dominant when they beat the Tampa Bay Rays they reached the World Series again in 2009 but they did lose to the New York Yankees and then 2010 and 2011 was probably their best teams but they could not get over the hump you remember when they had the four aces 
on their team. Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswalt, and Cole Hamels. Unbelievable that they had that many pitchers. Brad Lidge was their closer. Uh, Shane Victorino, Hunter Pence. I mean, they just had just an incredible lineup. And, of course, the core players from the Phillies in the early 2010s. Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins. Carlos Ruiz was just an incredible veteran catcher that came up with clutch hits. They did have some up-and-coming farm system players like Reese Hoskins. They did have Andrew McCutcheon for a little bit. I mean, they were still signing big-time free agents like JT Realamuto and Bryce Harper. That was the big one. It was very unique that the Phillies were able to get Bryce Harper, but the Nationals won the World Series back in 2019. So I like to see Bryce Harper in the World Series. I'm happy for him. And then he's going to represent our country in the World Baseball Classic in 2023. So I'm looking forward to that. Softball in the state of Georgia for high school is in the fall because it's in the spring for Alabama. I'm used to having softball in the spring. But the GHSA state playoffs are going on right now at the Commons Softball Complex in Columbus. And Harris County and Northside have advanced. Schley County was also in the tournament. They're now in the double elimination bracket. So it is a double elimination tournament. And congratulations to Glenwood for winning three straight volleyball state championships. All right, so LaGrange, they do pick up the win. It's a forfeit win over Fayette County. Fayette County could not field a team because of health reasons. So LaGrange is now 7-2 and two on the season. And next week, this is a candidate for high school game of the week. LaGrange at Troop County. I do have a poll out on my Twitter page for the high school game of the week for week 12. Right now, LaGrange at Troop County is leading with 83% of the votes, followed by Westfield at St. Ant Pacelli's. You also have Greenville at Schley County and Ace Charter at Spencer. You know, that Ace Charter Spencer game is huge because Ace Charter is 7 and 1 and Spencer is 6 and 2. Tonight at Otis Spencer Stadium, it's senior night as Doherty who has one loss on the season, has taken on the Carver Tigers. Carver can wrap up second place in their region, which is going to be huge for the playoffs. So come on out to Otis Spencer Stadium. This is going to be the first time that Carver is going to be at the new stadium. I know that it's near Spencer High School, but the Carver faithful will make it down there. It won't be that odd. Also, tonight at Kennett Stadium, it's senior night for the Columbus Blue Devils as they are taking on Monroe. Don't forget that I will have my Friday Night Lights High School Football Preview Review Show tomorrow where I will preview all the games for Friday and I will recap some of the games for Thursday. Well, the Eagles' defense just got better. The Chicago Bears traded pass rusher Robert Quinn to the Philadelphia Eagles. And are the Eagles now making a push to win the Super Bowl? It looks like the Philadelphia Eagles are all in. I want to give a big shout-out to Coach Jay Intlich and the Columbus State Lady Cougars soccer team for finishing the regular season 14-1-1. They will enter the first round of the Peach Belt Conference Tournament this Friday against Clayton State. They won the regular season. They are looking to make a big push in the NCAA playoffs. So good luck to the Lady Cougars. I know that I expect some future Columbus Rapids on this team. I have said on this show that it seems like the Columbus State women's soccer team has been a farm system for the Columbus Rapids. Look at all the Columbus State 
players that now play for the Columbus Rapids. Bria Riancho, Sidney Vadney, Olivia Gerald, Maddie Peterson, Maddie DeFranco, and the list goes on and on and on. And so when I was looking down that roster for the Columbus State Lady Cougars, they got a lot of players that could play for the Columbus Rapids someday. Well, the 2-0 Columbus River Dragons will continue their road trip as they will take on the Mississippi Sea Wolves. They're back in action at the Columbus Civic Center on November 11th for their first home game against the defending Commissioner's Cup champions, the Watertown Wolves. And you can catch the games always on 99.1 Southern Sports WQEE as Tom Callahan providing all the play-by-play action for your Columbus River Dragons this season. All right, there's something seriously wrong with the Los Angeles Lakers. They could be one of the worst shooting teams in NBA history. The Lakers are 0-4. They lose to the Denver Nuggets 110-99. They did not have Russell Westbrook in this game. He sat out with a hamstring injury. But LeBron teams don't start 0-4. A LeBron-led team has not been 0-4 since his rookie campaign. Who's to blame in L.A.? They don't have shooters. That is the problem with the Lakers. And if they don't solve this problem, it's just going to continue getting worse. Anthony Davis is hobbled. He played 36 minutes, 22 points, 14 rebounds, but he's a shell of himself. He's not healthy. Does LeBron need to carry this team? I don't know if LeBron could do that in year 20. All right, I think it's time to bring my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, on the show for the Daily Dash. So you don't want to go anywhere. We'll be back with Corey. Welcome back to the Daily Dash. I've got my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, on. We're about to make some picks for NFL Week 8. Corey, how's it going? It's been going phenomenal, Richard. We're going to start with the local team here in Georgia. The Atlanta Falcons hosting the Carolina Panthers. Falcons are favored by four and a half. But don't overlook the Panthers. I know it seems like that they are sellers after trading away Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson. But P.J. Walker led the Carolina Panthers last week to an impressive 21-3 victory over the Buccaneers. I think the Falcons win this game, but I think it's going to be close because this is a rivalry game. That's an interesting prediction, Richard. So the Carolina Panthers come into this game with a record of 2-5 and five this season. The last time they stepped on the football field, the Panthers played against the Buccaneers and earned the victory with the final score of 21-3. to three. Dante Foreman was the rushing leader for the Panthers, 15 carries for 118 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt. That right there is efficiency in pro football. Richard adds final. DJ Moore averaged 9.9 yards per catch, 69 yards on seven receptions. PJ Walker finished 16 of 22 with 177 yards passing and two touchdowns. He had a QBR rating of 126.5 and ended the game without throwing a pick. On the ground, the Panthers conceded 46 yards on 16 attempts, which calculates 2.9 yards per rush allowed. That depicts something about the rush defense for the Panthers, Richard, where they're able to penetrate these holes and able to make the stops needed necessary. 
Now, when all this was all said and done, the Panthers had 50 plays. They converted 65.3% of their passing yards. The Carolina Panthers rushed the ball 27 times for the game, 173 yards. Now, as for the your Atlanta Falcons, they headed this matchup with 3-4. and four. In the latest contest, the Falcons took a loss by a score of 35-17 against the Falcons. Against the Bengals, Marcus Mariota had a touchdown. He ended the game 124 on 8 of 13 passing with a QBR rating of 118.7. He didn't toss any picks, Richard. But the thing is, is though, when you have a running back like Tyler Allegiri, he ran for 16 times, 50 yards. He had an okay day, but the but the mere bird was targeted only one time. But it was a 75-yard play, so it was a dynamic play. This Falcons team, when they want to be, they tighten up these football games. They got great penetration up front from the defensive line. They have gap-filling linebackers like McCall Walker. I think the Falcons will win this game, Richard. Very good pick. Now let's talk about your Jets. This is a huge rivalry against the New England Patriots, which are a road favorite by two and a half. But this is not the same Jets team. If you look back at the history since 2011, the New York Jets have only beaten the Patriots twice, and both of those games were in overtime. This has been a one-sided affair for a decade, but the New York Jets are 5-2, and two, and I think that this Jets team coming in with a little bit of swagger kind of reminds me of that playoff game in 2011. You know what I'm talking about, Corey. Remember the 28-21 upset win over the 14-2 Patriots? And Bart Scott gets on the microphone and says, can't wait. That is an iconic moment in Jets history right there, Richard. So, this New England Patriot team is coming into this game at 3-4 this season. In their last game, the Patriots played against the Bears and took a loss on Monday Night Football. 33-14. Bailey Sapay went 14-22 with 185 yards passing. In one touchdown. He had a quarterback rating of 67.4. Not the greatest day for him. He threw two picks. Now, Devontae Parker averaged 22.7 yards per catch in the game, which is a decent stat, but he only caught three footballs for 68 yards. But Ramondre Stevenson was leading rusher for the Patriots. 11 carries, 39 yards, a three and a half yard per carry average. Once the whistle blew, they tallied 48 plays for 260 yards. The New England Patriots ended up rushing the ball in total through the game 19 times for just 70 yards. So now we got the New York Jets coming into this matchup 5-2 and two on the year. Like you said, Richard, when they last stepped on the field, they played against the Broncos. And they won the game 16-9. Quarterback Zach Wilson ended the contest with 16 of 26 passing for 121 through the air. A QB rating of 72.8. Not the greatest day for him, but the thing is, is that the Broncos defense last week we played against is a top three defensively scoring defense in the league and points a lot. So that's just a testament that they got near the, the lipper average, like a 16, they got the 16 points, which is what. That's what the Broncos are averaging. So the Jets finished the game with a total of 260 yards, about five yards of play, and 
the New York team rushed the ball six and a half yards per attempt, 24 carries for 155 yards. Now that's a stat I can get behind. It's going to be the focal point in this game when they play against the Patriots. They're going to have to take care of the rushing game. And most recently, they just got their new running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars, James Robinson. It's a decent pickup. They got him for a sixth-round pick. But the thing is, part of the deal is if they if he rushes for about like 300 yards, something close to the ballpark, he turns to a fifth-rounder. Between him, Michael Carter, it's going to be a thumper backfield where you're going to be able to just have different timetables of the different backs. One's a hard runner and dynamic and runs between tackles. One is a little bit more of a scat back. It'll definitely complement each other. That's what's going to have to happen. And the Jets rush defense. My goodness, with Quentin Williams getting in the backfield. And how can you forget about the leading rookie candidate in my mind this year, Sauce Gardner. I think the Jets are going to put together a win, but it's going to have to be them controlling the line of scrimmage on both offensive line and defensive line. It's going to be a tough day. They lost Elijah Bear Tucker to an elbow injury for the entire season. So the Jets are going to have to come up with a hole here in filling in for a guy that had played four different positions in four straight weeks. Star player. They lost him. That's what's going to need to be done. I still think the Jets are going to win in this game. The battle for Pennsylvania. The Philadelphia Eagles undefeated, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. The Eagles are favored by 11, and their pass rush just got a little bit better, getting Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears. And I think the Eagles continue winning, even though the Steelers, they're 2-5, and five, they're a desperate team. They're showing some signs that they can compete, but I think the Eagles win this game, Corey. That is a very good pick, Richard. I kind of agree with that. So the Pittsburgh Steelers head into this game with a 2-5 and five record on the season. They played the Dolphins last on Sunday Night Football. They lost 16-10. Quarterback Kenny Pickett connected on 32-44 passing, 257, and one touchdown. He had a quarterback rating of 66.2 and finished the game with three interceptions. Now, tight end Pat Fryermouth averaged 9.4 yards reception, 75 yards in the game on eight catches. Leading rusher in the game for the Steelers last week, Najee Harris. The rushing leader for the Steelers, 17 carries, 65 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. But when it all came down to the wire, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the last two drives of the game could not get in the end zone, and Kenny Pickett threw two interceptions. That's what happened that last week. And the rushing defense gave 27 carries for 111 yards. They got to clean that up, but now you got your undefeated Eagles stepping into the gridiron this week. The Eagles walked away with a victory last week by a final score of 26-17. The thing is, is that Jalen Hurts ended the game where he was just playing like a dynamic player. Precision on his passes. He was getting the ball out to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has been showing everything, every bit of why they need to go get him. Dynamic at the helm. He is your true natural-born number one receiver, catching five footballs for 67 yards in that regard. And Robert Quinn is going, like you said, Richard, is going to make a huge difference in the defensive line, acquiring him from the Bears. 
at the defense end position. That's going to make it so that their pass rush is that much better. Miles Sanders is a good running back. 18 carries last week, 71 yards. Any, any of the contests really putting together. But in the battle of Pennsylvania, I'm going to take in this game, Richard, the Eagles. The rematch of the NFC Championship game last year, the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers have owned the Rams in the regular season. They've been 7-0. and It seems like it's a bad matchup for the defending Super Bowl champions. That O-line against the 49ers defensive line. Let's throw out that 44-23 to game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were running into a buzzsaw with Patrick Mahomes. This is a different Rams team. Now, Debo Samuel is still questionable at wide receiver, but they still have Brandon Ayuk. They still have Jawan Jennings. Dre Greenlaw is also questionable at linebacker. But with a healthy Nick Bosa, I think that Matt Stafford's going to be running for his life. The only way the Rams win this game is if their superstars like Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey step up and make a huge play on defense, like a strip sack fumble return for Aaron Donald or a pick six by Jalen Ramsey. They're not going to have Cam Akers. They only have Cooper Cup. It's really a mismatch, and I think the 49ers get the road victory at SoFi. Very interesting prediction, Richard. So the San Francisco 49ers head into this matchup with a 3-4 record of the season. In their last game, the 49ers stepped on to the field against the Chiefs. Went home with a loss, a 44-23 one. Jeff Wilson was the leader on the ground for the Niners. Seven carries, 54 yards. George Kittle had an impressive day, averaging 16.3 yards per reception, accumulating six catches for 98 yards. Jimmy G connected on 25-37 passing, 303 yards, and two touchdowns. He had a QBR rating of 99.3 and ended the contest with one pick. Now, on the ground, the 49ers gave 112 yards on 21 tries, which is 5.3 yards per rush. So, Richard, they got to clean something up in that regard in their running lanes and filling up those holes. Hopefully they get their key players back in terms of injuries, like you said, Greenlaw, and really putting it together. So this Rams team they're facing against, they have a dynamic team. So in that regard, they were victorious in that regard. Darnell Henderson is a decent running back for this Rams team. And Cooper Cup, top five receiver in the game. So they're going to have to run some pass coverages to really get Cooper Cup with the line because he's a very strong route runner. Very good slant routes over the middle of the field. And, man, is he great with toe-touching. But the thing is, Aaron Donald is always a dynamic pass rusher, so they're going to have to account for him. Now the question is, can Christian McCaffrey block Aaron Donald if he gets in his vicinity to protect Jimmy G? That's going to be a question. Are they going to be able to create enough space for Debo Samuel to get outside and make the dynamic plays? That's a question. Is Debo Samuel going to be able to run the, with the football inside the, inside the tackle box with the likes of their stout defensive line? That's going to be a question mark in the game. For this to happen, I'm going to take in this one the 49ers because I think that they're going to be able to establish all the credibility in those parts of the football game. 
Normally, this Sunday night football game would be a dynamic matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, but the Packers have struggled. They're going into Buffalo. The Bills are an 11.5-point favorite. Fresh off a bye, I think this is going to be ugly, and it's going to be ugly quick. I believe the Buffalo Bills are going to blow out the Green Bay Packers, who don't have an answer at wide receiver. When Devontae Adams left, Aaron Rodgers lost his dynamic receiver. He's not the type of quarterback that can develop young receiving talent. If he if if everything's not working for him, because we don't know the status of David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, that could be a huge mismatch, and Buffalo could blow them out. That is very true in that regard. I mean, this Green Bay Packers team has stepped onto the field with a three and four record in the last game, they lost to the Commanders 23 21, a heartbreaker loss. Aaron Rodgers went 23 35 for 194 yards passing and two touchdowns. He had a quarterback rating of 99. He walked away from the game with no interceptions. His leading receiver in the game was Alan Lazard, held to just 9.2 yards per catch. He had five total yards and six receptions. The leading rusher in the game was Aaron Jones. He was the best rusher in that regard. He only had 23 yards and eight carries, 2.9 yards per rush. So here's the thing. Like you said, Bakhtiari, the best offense lineman on the Packers, is a question mark. And as a result, because of the pass game not being as dynamic and losing, like you said, uh, Devontae Adams, guys like Alan Lazard, who was a natural-born number three, number two, three receiver has to be your number one because you have a Randall Cobb who really injury-driven and he's not the same and uh, Randall Cobb because he's just a shell of himself and it's making it very hard for Aaron Rodgers to really make the throws because he doesn't have time in the pocket. Aaron Jones is not as dynamic because the pass game is not working and Aaron Jones in between the tackles does not really run the ball hard he's a guy you want to get out in space so that's what I think in that regard but the Bills coming to this contest uh Josh Allen is as dynamic as they come he could do with his legs he's an incredible leader and in this game he's gonna will the Bills to a victory my personal opinion he's got Stefan Dacius to throw the ball to again top five receiver in the game he can run any kind of route you want he can run a slant route over the field catches it find a seam can hit the whole gun he could run fly routes over the field, and Josh Allen could throw to him. Even if they have him in press coverage, he could get right off the line. Gone. Unbelievable. And then they also have Devin Singletary, a decent running back, as you will. He averages around about five yards a carry, and he can open up that pass game for Josh Allen. Now this defense, this Bills defense, is absolutely suffocating. Their defensive line gets penetration in the backfield all day. And I do think that because of Aaron Rodgers being older in his career and because the Packers' offensive line not that great, I do think it's not going to be a close game and it's going to be a Buffalo Bill, a Buffalo Bill victory, Richard. Great pick, Corey. As always, thank you for joining the show for the Daily Dash. Always a pleasure, Richard. Look forward to calling this game with you tomorrow night as we are going to prepare for the high school football game of the week.
That's right. Our final regular season game for the high school football season. Can't wait. All right. That was my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank for the Daily Dash. We'll be right back with the Columbus State men's head basketball coach Robert Moore and then the Columbus State women's basketball coach Matt Hauser. You don't want to miss these two interviews, Cougar fans. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and I've got a special guest on the show today. I've got the Columbus State men's head basketball coach, head coach Moore, and we are here to preview this upcoming 2022-2023 Columbus State men's basketball season. Coach, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Richard, thank you for having me on. And uh, we just getting ready to have this season. We we all fired up for it. Let's recap last season because okay. you did win 20 games. You did receive a berth in the Southeast Regional of the NCAA tournament. However, fell to Queens, a very tough, top-ranked team out of North Carolina. It was a very close game. Uh, your your team just played with so much resiliently resiliency after everything that happened last year. But what does it mean to come into this season and, and after – having a season that you did last season, and then what are you looking forward to most about this upcoming basketball season? Um, Richard, we're looking more to kind of build on last season. You know, we felt like we got to the first round, played Queens, had a shot at the end to win the game, didn't win it, uh, brought in a lot of new guys. But, you know, we got some returning guys like Nelson Haskin, defensive player of the year in the Peach Belt. He's our leader. We call him captain. So uh, Grant Howard, who played a lot for us last year, is back. Uh, Ladarius Jones from Jordan High School here in Columbus is back. Uh, he's been with us three years. So we feel like we got enough experience around where we can make a run uh, to get farther along in the NCAA tournament, maybe get to the second or third round. Uh, and we put a plan together, me and my staff, are trying to win a championship or a national championship in five years. And uh, we got some great pieces to the puzzle. If we can share the basketball, play really good defense and rebound it, we like our chances. Now, you – are losing two key players from last year's team, Hunter Preston and Langston Gather. I mean, they were just star players that were just offensive pieces that were really important to how you want to compete at this level. What is it going to take to replace just two outstanding players in uh, Langston and Hunter? Uh, you can't replace those two guys. They was, uh, you know, Hunter was first team all conference, Langston was second team, and I, I'm not so sure Langston should have been first team. Just like you said, two really great players in the Peach Belt. Uh, we tell our guys all the time, though, we got to do it by committee. A lot of times you can't do what those guys do one-on-one, -on -one, but we feel like we got three or four guys at each position that can really help. And, you know, get instead of getting 118 or 19, get six or seven, then the other guy gets six or seven, and uh, rebound the basketball and play good D. And the same thing in the Langston position. We feel like we got – Two or three guys every night can get us eight to nine points every night. If the other guy does his job and get eight or nine, you cover that what they did for us last year. But you're never going to replace two great players like that. But you can do it by committee. And I feel like we've been emphasizing it all through the preseason. Play as a team, share the basketball, and good things are happening. And the first game is November 11th against Barton College. The first home game is Saturday, November 19th against UNC Pembroke, a, a team that you're familiar with, used to be in the Peach Belt Conference. What is that atmosphere are you expected at the Lumpkin Center that Saturday afternoon when you get all those fans back in the Lumpkin Center? And I, I made a coach. I've been to a basketball game before. It's 
it's exciting. I mean, it really, if you're right. a fan of basketball living in Columbus, uh, that's the place you got to be. And, and so that first home game against UNC Pembroke at the Lumpkin Center, what does that mean just to have basketball back in the Fountain City? Oh, we, we, we're looking forward to it. We're doing uh, what we call Youth Day. So we're inviting all the YMCA, Parks and Rec, youth, uh, all the high school teams, middle school teams, and we're also going out, out to the churches and telling their youth to come out. And we're trying to pack the Lumpkin Center for that first game. As you look at our schedule, we don't have many home games uh, during November and December. Because of the success we had last year, a lot of teams wouldn't come here and play. Uh, so we really got to make our mark on the road. We tell our guys we roll warriors. We got to find a way to win games on the road. But we would love for the people in Columbus to come out on that first game against UNC Pembroke. It was a rival for us for a long time in the Peach Belt. Uh, we only had some great close games. Uh, I can remember two years ago we beat them in the semifinals and we lost in the Peach Belt Championship game to Lander that year. But uh, we only had some great rivals with uh, Pembroke. And we feel like those one that's one of the teams that you got to beat and win on your home floor to get an NCAA bid if you want to get that large bid. All right, Coach, let's talk about the Peach Belt Conference. Because some of the top teams, including Augusta University, which you actually beat at the Lumpkin Center in December. I was actually at that game. Very good win over a top-ranked team. But you also have teams like Lander, and you have teams like North Georgia College. You know, teams that are really competitive in the Peach Belt. But what is the Peach Belt Conference looking like for this season? Oh, I think it's a lot of new faces. Uh, Flagler College got a new coach. Uh, Georgia College got a new coach. So you're looking at a lot of new faces, but it's still going to be very competitive, very good basketball. You know, the best team right now, if you went by on paper, would probably be Augusta State. Like you said, they lost in the national championship game last year. They got a seven-foot-two guy that's back. So uh, they, they are probably the front runners right now. But I tell everybody, every game is so important in the Peach Belt, either if you're playing Young Harris, North Georgia, Clayton State. Every game matters, and, you know, our guys got to take it that way, that we got to play every game like it's our last and just got to find ways to win games in the Peach Belt. Now, let's talk about regional rivals. I mean, because you have uh, Georgia Southwestern that's right out of Americas. You have Clayton Mm -hmm. State University that's right there in Clayton County. Which team in the Peach Belt would you consider your regional rival, the team that you got to get the win against because they're considered your rival? Uh, Right now, lately, since I've been here, it's been Clayton State. You know, they say they the real CSU. We say we the real CSU. So that's been our, our fans and our students love that game. I mean, when we go to Clayton, I mean, we have a thousand fans ourselves playing at Clayton. And then when Clayton comes here, we pack it. So Clayton has really been that rival lately over the last three or four years. But uh, George Southwestern has a great crowd at their place. They bring their baseball team and they come and that's and that's been becoming a rival, too. So. Those two teams, our guys, really, you don't have to give a motivational speech when it comes to those two teams. They are ready to play. Uh, Georgia Southwestern beat us here last year in overtime by one, and we beat them by like 40 at their place because our guys were just so excited and just made every shot. They were so upset about, to losing to Georgia Southwestern at home. So those two teams are what you call our rivals in the Peach Belt right now, Clayton State and Georgia Southwestern. Coach, I got to admit that I'm becoming a fan of the Columbus State Cougars. If I can't make it out to the Lumpkin Center, I'm always tuning in to Cougar Radio, where Scott Miller does an oh, yeah. incredible job as oh, the play by play announcer. Been oh, yeah, Scott Miller. Years. Scott Miller is the voice of the Cougars. Been Absolutely. doing it forever. Uh, he, he also had the games when C- Coach Herbert Green, my mentor and friend, 
um, when he was coaching here and I was an assistant. Uh, I, I room with Scott on the road. A lot of times he can't come on the road now, so he does it from his house. But uh, Scott Miller's a big-time Cougar fan, and he's he's been the voice of the Cougars forever. And he keeps it exciting because, I mean, you listen to one of his games, it's unbelievable. So, And he'll send us the tape when we get back from the games and have it. So Scott has been a good friend of mine and has been doing a great job for us in all sports here at Columbus State. Coach, I am looking forward to this upcoming season in the Peach Bell Conference. The 2022-2023 Columbus State Cougar men's basketball team is in action November the 11th against Barton College. And we're looking forward to packing the Lumpkin Center on November the 19th when you guys take on UNC Pembroke. Oh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We want all the fans to come out. And like I said again, it's going to be youth day. All the youth get in free. The parents have to pay $10, but – uh, the concession stand, everything will be open, and we're just looking for a great crowd to open up the season in Lumpkinson. All right, I appreciate it, Coach. Hey, I appreciate you. We'll talk later. Absolutely. That was right. the head coach of the men's basketball team for Columbus State University, head coach Moore. Thank you so much for listening to the interview, and we will be back with the women's head coach, head coach Matt Hauser. And you don't want to miss it. We will be back. And welcome back to the show. And on the show today, I have the Columbus State women's head basketball coach, Coach Matt Hauser. Coach Hauser, great having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to talk about this upcoming season in the 2022-2023 Peach Belt Conference with the Columbus State Lady Cougars. But first, we're going to recap last season. It was not the way you expected. It did fall in the Southeast Regional to the University of North Georgia, 63-42. to 42, But had a decent season, 17-14 and 14 overall, 9-9 in the conference. Coach, what is the outlook for this upcoming season? I know you're, you're getting Amber Abusbert back, yep. one, of, one of your leading scorers, but Chrysalyn Boston, she has been just a dynamic player for you last year. Uh, she has left the team, but what is the outlook of this team and, and what is expected for this upcoming season? I think that they're just ready to have an actual true season. Ever since my recruits, my new players have been here, we've dealt with COVID um, in 2020-21 season and this past year. Um, we were out mid-December to mid-February with the Delta variant going through our whole program. So we never really had our full team that entire time. I was out. We had to play North Georgia with six players because we were forfeiting games. Last season, if you didn't have enough players or if you, you know, canceled because of COVID, you forfeit. So last year wasn't like it wasn't a real season to us. And I think what was really astonishing was the coaches uh, voting us into the NCAA tournament, regardless of our record, because we were the uh, number one team in the nation for defense. We led the nation in steals per game, um, second in forcing turnovers per game, all that while dealing with the Delta variant and having like eight players here, eight, nine players here, seven players here, we don't know which coach can be at, you know, practice this day. So I think what this outlook for this season is, is to finally have a normal season. No testing, no, 
you know, COVID just we're back to normal. So that is what everybody's excited about. And I'm excited about this upcoming season. The season will open in the PBC SAC Challenge against Chowan University on Friday, November the 11th. The first home game is on a Monday at the Lumpkin Center, November the 14th at 5.30 p.m. And if you can't make it out to the Lumpkin Center, you can always catch the game on Cougar Radio as Scott Miller does an outstanding job doing the play-by-play. Coach, looking at this upcoming season, what does the Peach Belt Conference look like? I know North Georgia was the top team in the regular season last year, but Mm -hmm. is there going to be some surprises in the upcoming season for the Peach Belt Conference? Well, um, Lander is completely different because the head coach uh, moved on to Division One, and uh, he took a bunch of his All-Americans with him. So that'll be a different look. North Georgia lost the National Player of the Year uh, with Julia Sutton and a couple players as well that were seniors with her. Um, so they'll have a different look. But the teams that will be pretty much the same will be us and Georgia Southwestern. There'll be a new dynamic across the board because there was a lot of teams with a lot of fifth year seniors last year. So we'll see a bunch of teams in our conference. That'll be a a new look, a new dynamic. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to. It'll be interesting to see um, what each team is going to bring in with transfers and um, just the style of play that they're going to have. There's two new coaches in our conference for Augusta and Lander, um, two new head coaches. So it's going to be uh, another just spectacular conference as it always is. But um, as of right now, we're excited to try to, you know, you know, be the top dog in the PBC this year. And uh, the year's continuing because our team is all sophomores and all freshmen. So they'll be together now for the next three years. So we should be, you know, watching uh, something special here with these kids and watching them grow into um, a national uh, powerhouse. Coach, I am looking down your roster. I mean, you do have a bunch of freshmen and sophomore, but you do have so Amber Abuzbe. She's only a sophomore. She comes to us from Staten Island, New York. You have a 5'6 guard, uh, Kirsten Bond, uh, but you do have some freshmen coming in. Uh, Lacey Robbins is a point guard, uh, Lativa Reeves, uh, and you also have Olivia West, uh, Julian Bretz, uh, Simone Lett. Any of these freshmen, any of them have, have stood out at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why um, we recruited them, because uh, they bring the style of play and the efficiency that we were expecting to keep improving on every single year. And um, the freshmen have stepped in really big as of right now. Um, They're fitting in really well. Um, Getting their feet wet is, you know, of course, always normal, but um, they're very aggressive. They're very um, active on defense and offense. So um, we're going to start seeing them just, you know, mold in, but what they do to our team is they create depth and with the style of play that we do with our pressing and our, you know, uh, pace, it allows us to keep attacking, you know, any team on offense and on defense continuously and never really drop. So typically where you see with teams with the starting five that plays pretty much the entire game and you get used to that and they really can't go on the bench that much. This team can go on the bench deep. We are very, very deep in a lot of positions. So, and, and they know it and they're excited to keep, you know, helping each other out, going back and forth. And um, so that is what I'm excited to watch is finally this team that um, has come together and it's all, you know, Coach Hauser's recruits to see them now enhance the style of play that we do, but also 
to go deep into a bench to allow us to rest, you know, key players, but to keep attacking at a pace that we want to. Coach, tell us about the game day experience at the Lumpkin Center, because we do have a lot of basketball fans in the city of Columbus that just want to come out and see a good basketball game. And, and your team has just got a good product, nothing but fundamental basketball, just talented a team that actually has a lot of depth that is competitive. And, and really, what product are the average uh, basketball fan getting when they come out to the Lumpkin Center? Well, typically... Um... You know, when you come to a, a college basketball game, sometimes you're either watching the men's or the women's. But what's really great is uh, once we get into conference in the Lumpkin Arena um, to be able to come watch the women and the men play, you know, because we play at like 530 on a weekday and the boys play at 730, you know, right after us. And then on the Saturday, it's at 130 and 330. So you can get two games in and get the whole experience. And it's just amazing fun and just the electricity is just you know high with the um amazing uh csu band that comes in there um the cheerleaders and just everything that's just about it is just you know that college experience that just brings that entertainment to columbus and uh it's just fun it's a lot of fun to be a part of and then it's also fun to just get to know the players and to watch them succeed and to, you know, kind of build that relationship to where you're excited to see them from their sophomore year, junior year, junior year, senior year. You know that you've been watching, you know, supporting them this entire time, seeing them grow. And, uh, you know, that's what college athletics is all about, just to go out there and just support and show love and just be a fan of the game and just to um, see some successful, you know, uh, basketball from the women's team and then of course the men's team as well entering your fourth season you've been the head coach of the columbus state women's basketball team for now four years uh, what is your most memorable moment being the head coach of the lady cougars i guess a memorable moment would be us just coming out of covid and taking down the uh, number one team in our conference at, at their place which was at george southwestern overtime I thought that was a pretty um, spectacular moment for not only myself, but just for my staff and my kids to kind of show that, you know, perseverance through that whole adversity that we had to endure last year kind of really showed like a sign of things to come. And if we can, you know, push through that and get through that, I can't imagine what type of memories and everything that's going to be coming down the pipeline. So I think that one really stuck out to me because it really, um, showed kind of what the future of uh, CSU women's basketball is going to be going forward. And I remember that game. Uh, Scott Miller had the call. That was a road game, taking down a rival in Georgia Southwestern. That was just a great moment, Coach. And, yeah. and I, was, I was glad I was able to listen to Scott Miller on the radio. Yeah, it was great. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time just to be here on the show. And uh, good luck this season. I know that uh, I'm excited about Lady Cougar basketball and the, that first game at the Lumpkin Center, November 14th. It should be fun. Oh, yeah. Come on out. It's going to be a great game to watch. And then we have the, uh, the lighting of the tree and the lighting of all the you know Christmas lights and everything for CSU on that day. So it's going to be a lot of activities, um, a lot of things that are going to be going on, on campus during that time. So we should have a great turnout that night. So come out and support and have fun and uh, let's kick off the season the right way. 
All right. I appreciate that, Coach. That was the head women's basketball coach for Columbus State Lady Cougars basketball as they will open up their season on November the 11th and then coming out to the Lumpkin Center on November the 14th for their first home game. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the show, and I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.